0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Back and Better Than Ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, and delighted you're with me on a Monday. Coming off of what was one of the better NFL Sundays we've seen in a long time, and I don't just mean this season, because it was by far the best of this season. There was, in fact, a 14-minute stretch yesterday that reminded me of a position that I took many years ago here on ESPN Radio, and I stand behind to this day. And that is that when you consider the five greatest advances that we have had as a species, red zone is among them. Red zone is top five. I actually said that to someone on the golf course recently and they said, how about electricity? And I said, electricity is only more valuable because it is the reason we can have red zone. If we could have red zone without electricity, then I would be just fine with the red zone. I'm kidding, but I loved it. What a spectacular little flurry That was yesterday in those moments when Pittsburgh, Tennessee and Detroit, Atlanta and Cleveland, Cincinnati all had their fabulous finishes. And here to talk about all of it with me is my friend Dan Orlovsky, who is with me on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. And Dan, you and I talked a lot about Baker Mayfield this morning when we were wondering how bad the injury to Odell was going to turn out to be. Now that we know it's a season ending ACL, let's start there. As you look at that team, which is five and two and clearly right in the thick of things, in the AFC playoff picture. What do you think the loss of Odell for the season does to that team?
0: I don't see it having a tremendous impact negatively on Baker Mayfield. Now, do I think it's going to have a negative impact on their overall performance as an offense? Yeah. And what I mean by that is this. Like Odell is still a big-time playmaker. You know, we saw it in a couple of games this year, especially the Dallas game. Like He almost single-handedly wins the game. So he's still a big-time playmaker. But I don't think people can under – like, you can no longer run from the reality that Baker, for some reason, seems to play better at the quarterback position when Odell's not on the field. And that does not make any sense at all. I get that. But I the best way I can describe it this, that is this way, Greeny. When, when Odell is on the field, Baker thinks, okay, where is Odell? Now what's my play versus the defense? It goes in that order. Like, where's Odell? What's his route? How can I get him the ball? Wait, what's the defense? And with Odell off the field, and he gets the play call, it's really just, okay, what's the defense? Where should the ball go? And sometimes it just happens to be, it, it happens to be Higgins, and then it's Landry, and then it's Cooper, Austin Bryant, or Harrison Bryant. Excuse me. So I think it's just the getting rid of the thought process with Odell on the field of okay, where's Odell and having to get him the ball more so than just executing the play.
1: And so he did that yesterday, and you did a great job of diagramming it for us this morning on Get Up. And so, you know, last week it felt like the world was completely coming apart for Baker Mayfield. Where is it today?
0: Well, listen, it's it's a lot better than it was a week ago, and it's promising. I, I think that yesterday was the biggest day of his NFL career, and it was the best day of his NFL career, and it was at the most needed time of his NFL career. He has never had a game in the NFL where, one, he had to perform, two, there was an expectation for her, for him to perform, and three, with the pressure to perform. He also had to do it without Odell, without a starting tight end, Austin Hooper, and without a starting center. So, you know, for, for all those in, like, Yes, it was against Cincinnati. I get all that. But you have to do it against someone. You can't do it against the really good teams until you do it against the really bad teams. And I think it could be a really defining moment in his career because at some point, you got to prove to yourself, like, yeah, I can do this. I could do, when, when it's absolutely needed, I can do it. And, um, you know, you can't, you know this, the hardest thing to do in golf is follow a birdie with a birdie. And so the hardest thing in football will be to follow a big-time performance with another big-time performance. And so he proved that he can do it. He's got to do it again.
1: Yeah, I just happened to glance, because people will try and diminish this because it was against the Bengals, at how many points the Bengals have allowed in each of their games the last few weeks. Again, uh, Baker put up 37 against them yesterday. They had allowed 31 to Phillip Rivers, 27 to Lamar Jackson, 25 and a win over Jacksonville, 23 in a tie against, um, against Carson Wentz and Philadelphia. So, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, he it, it, it didn't do it against the Steeler defense, but it was a moment when his team needed him to play big and that they did. Greeny and Dan Orlovsky is with me. Now let's turn our attention to the other team who is always in the center of all of the, the turmoil, it seems. Only this time they're not getting out of it. The Dallas Cowboys have had a terrible year. I'm not sure that they've had a day in which they looked worse than they did yesterday. What's your primary takeaway from the Cowboys yesterday?
0: Most embarrassing moment of their
1: season. In a season full of embarrassing
0: moments. Greed, the reality is just like, listen, you can beat up on me on the scoreboard. Like sometimes I'm just going to get my tail kicked. And I'm going to get whooped because you're better than me or I didn't play well. You're never just going to punk me. You're never just going to do something like they did to Andy Dalton to one of my teammates. That is never going to happen. And the fact that Andy Dalton gets hit like that, and nobody on the football team, no one on the field, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, the offensive linemen, I don't care if you're backups, none of you guys did anything. You let someone walk into your house and punch one of your friends in the face, And all you did was help them out. You did nothing like that is such a like a a, an opposite of tough guy. The opposite of sport. like we're taught really early on when we play football. And I'm sure this is the case for a lot of other sports. I didn't I didn't play sports as intently as a whole as I did football. But we're taught early on. You don't let anybody physically impose their will on you. You don't let anyone try to intimidate you. And it's one of those sports where at the end of the day, you got to look at yourself in the mirror often and go, like, was I a tough guy today? That's part of football is, like, was I a tough guy today? And did I have my teammates back? Because don't tell me you have my back. Show me you have my back. And what I saw was we've talked a lot about what's wrong with Dallas. Scheme, new coaches, this is the same team that told us they can't play hard for 70 plays in a game. That's too much to ask. Is it too much to ask for you to not let one, somebody else smash your quarterback's head into the ground? Is that too much to ask as well? Because what I saw was a team of 53 individual businesses. There is not one person on that team that believes in brotherhood or teammates or one for all. It is a bunch of individuals that have zero heart, and it was embarrassing to watch.
1: Yeah, you guys were so strong on that this morning. I was really struck by it. You and Rex and Ryan Clark, uh, who frequently have differing opinions on any number of subjects, all of you were completely united on that. So my my then question to you, Dan, is now what? You're the Cowboys because of the division you're in. It's still theoretically not over. At this moment, I think Ben DiNucci is your quarterback. And what, if anything, can the Cowboys do to try and salvage something? Because They still have a lot of very recognizable names on the backs of their jerseys, and they're still the Dallas Cowboys.
0: Yeah, Greeny, so football is this team sport, and we often refer to it as a team sport, but it's also a a very individual sport. And before I can fix we, I have to fix me. And they've got to get those players to be more selfish. Like, you've heard this before. Your tape is your resume. And those players need to play more selfish and, and have more pride in the the performance that they're putting out there. You know, like Ezekiel Elliott's got to get more selfish with just what's accepted in his play. Demarcus Lawrence has got to get more selfish. I think their season is over. Their season is a wrap to me. I I think it's this deep, Greeny. I think Jerry Jones is 100% warranted to walk into that locker room and you know what, into a meeting room when the coach is there too and be very blunt and clear. You're all coaching and playing for your jobs. Everyone is on notice. This is not, like this is a quote unquote America's team and you get to wear the star in your helmet. This is not what's accepted here. I did not build this stadium for this. You don't get this practice facility for this. Everybody's on notice. Jerry Jones can walk down there and put everybody on notice and it's needed.
1: You know, they have scored 13 points since Dak Prescott went down In the two games without Dak Prescott, they scored 13 points and no one rallied to the side of Andy Dalton as he laid there, as you pointed out, getting hit in the head. I mean, if, if there's one thing that has come from the last two and a half weeks, I think it is that in his absence, a lot of questions, if there really were any about Dak Prescott, have been answered.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, and I'm, I'm one of those guys. And I'm one of those guys that my eyes have been beyond opened when it comes to Dak. And I've said this story a couple times. I, I, I call college football for ESPN. Last year I did a Florida game whose head coach is Dan Mullen, who was the head coach at Mississippi State with Dak. And we sat there and we chopped it up and talked football for a long period of time. But he said something to me that resonated, like, resonated deep with me. I asked him who was the greatest leader he had ever been around. And he, without hesitation, said Dak Prescott. And I looked at him because I know that he coached Tim Tebow. And he said, Dak Prescott, and it's not even close. He said that when Dak was early, he took Dak and put him with his third-team offense on purpose against the first-team defense and wanted to see if he could elevate people around him. And he said from the first play it happened. And that's when he knew Dak was going to be special. And a lot of the conversation that we've had around Dak, and again, I'm putting myself into this, has been about the performance on the field. Is he good enough versus top-ten defenses or playoff teams? Does he pad his stats, all those? And what I lost of and what I lost a vision of in those is his impact off the field, the culture, the locker room, the leadership is exponentially bigger than his impact on the field. And he's a good player, really good player on the field, and it doesn't touch the impact or how important he is to that organization or team off the field.
1: I tell you what, they play at the Eagles Sunday night. That's the Sunday night game this week, and then they've got the Steelers. So if they don't find some way to rally this thing quickly, then you're right. Their season genuinely is over. In the worst division probably ever, they may very well wind up finishing at or very near the bottom. Greeny and Dan Orlovsky presented by Progressive Insurance. He's on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Uh, I, I love the way you analyze the play of quarterbacks. And so, so the audience doesn't think I've been exaggerating it. Just how good is Tom Brady right now? Tom Brady right now
0: is... In the pocket, when kept clean, the best quarterback in football. He's the best quarterback in football. The, the tape shows it. He is throwing the ball as well as he ever has. He has become a deadly deep ball thrower. I'm talking deadly. Watch. He does not miss when he throws deep. And then you go, okay, kept clean. The offensive line for Tampa Bay is a very undervalued and underspoken part of their team. In the pocket. When kept clean, Tom Brady's got the most touchdown passes out of anybody in the NFL, and it's not even close. He's got like five or six more than the second-place guy. He's got the most passing yards out of anybody in the NFL. So, no, he's not going to go maybe above the X's and O's type guys and these guys who create Russell and Patrick and uh, Lamar Jackson and you know Kyler Murray of last night. But when protected, there's no quarterback better when it comes to executing the play, playing within the rhythm and the timing of the offense and being absolutely deadly accurate. He looks like 2007 Tom Brady, and that's the year he had Randy
1: Moss. Yeah, and and, and the numbers would reflect it. I read them on the air here a little while ago. Hembo sent me that, that group of statistics that he sent to you guys, and his numbers are as good when targeting receivers as they were even then. Let me ask you about one more guy. We didn't get to this this morning because there's just so much out there, but outside of the city of Buffalo, I was one of four people who watched... A little bit of Jets Bills yesterday. And, uh, you know, Josh Allen, it feels like we were talking about him as an MVP candidate not long ago. And then that team gets beat up by Tennessee on a Tuesday night. And then they don't look good against Kansas City. And frankly, against the worst team in the NFL, he didn't look very good yesterday either. What are you seeing in Josh Allen right now? And are you concerned about the Bills?
0: Yes, I'm concerned about their offense. I'm concerned about Josh Allen. Um, I'd say two things that stand out. How important John Brown is to that offense. You know, when, when he does not play, and this is the second time in three games, mm-hmm. they really lack a vertical stretch in their offense, someone to kind of push the defense and create some kind of throwing lanes in the chunk passing game. But the biggest thing, Greeny, is, you know, Josh is, is getting a, a heavy dose of, okay, now what we we know what you struggle with, you're going to get a lot of it. And what he struggles with is seeing, you know, coverage rotation and playing against zone. And he's this big, powerful, kind of big playmaking athlete that always wants to hit for power. You know, he's, he's always wanted to hit for homers. And what the defenses are doing are going, nope, we're going to throw you kind of change-ups low and away, change-ups low and away, and just try to make you hit for average. Throw your hands at the ball, hit for average, because we're only going to give you chances to hit singles. And he's just got to learn, and he hasn't done it yet in three weeks. Completions versus zone defense are okay at times. I know your coach called a play to take a chunk. It's not there. Throw the check down. It's not fun. It's not sexy. It's not glamorous. Anybody in the world could do it. So it's not It's not like what how you're wired with that big arm. But it's what's needed on that play. Sean McVay notorious for saying that's the right play, because it's the only play. And Josh needs to learn that really quickly. Make the right play because it's the only one available. More checkdowns out of his hands.
1: The division is sitting there waiting to be won. We'll see if he's able to do it. Dan Orlovsky, terrific as always today. And again, this afternoon with Marcus Spears and Laura and Mina and company with NFL Live at 4 Eastern on ESPN. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Green. That's Dan Orlovsky with me on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Penzoil synthetic motor oils made from natural gas giving you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the penzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. And one quick reminder that this show is a podcast every single day. We take each hour, make them their own little individual um, listen, and, and they're available wherever you get your podcast. It's called Hashtag Greeny, and um, I listen to it regularly, and I'm enjoying myself listening to it. I get to hear back all the things I said that made no sense. And so if you miss any of the things I say that make no sense, you get a second chance. So again, it's a podcast every single day and it's available anywhere you get your podcasts. A lot of things that Dan talked about there that sort of were rattling around in my mind. Makes me think I want to go back to Friday, Bubba, and let's go back over the three players that I said were under the most pressure this weekend because two of them really struggled and the third came up huge. So Bubba, give me a little music. Let's go back over the players we said were under the most pressure here Take them in the order in which they did them. Let's start with number three. Number three. Number three, I said, was Zeke Elliott. And that was as big a disaster as you could possibly be. Zeke Elliott has a ball that gets granted. It would have been a tough catch at the end of the first half. But when the Cowboys were driving to try and score late in that first half and get themselves back in some semblance of competition in that game against Washington and go into halftime feeling good about themselves. Instead, yes, the ball was behind him. It would have been a tough catch. But you know what? In a big moment, the most expensive player on the team's got to make that catch. And he doesn't, and it pops up in the air, and it's an interception, and the game is over right then. So long before Andy Dalton got taken out on a dirty hit, that game was over, and Zeke Elliott didn't do anything to keep it from happening. From the moment Dak went out, that team has been without leadership, and it has been without any semblance of an offense. They've scored 13 points in the two games. Zeke Elliott is supposed to be the guy to carry that team, and he didn't do it. By the way, we looked it up earlier. With Ben DiNucci at quarterback, if the Cowboys were playing the Jets this weekend, Dallas would be roughly a point-and-a-half favorite, according to our analytics. Point-and-a-half. Dallas and the Jets. Pretty sad. All right, players under the most pressure. We said Zeke was number three. How about the next one? Number two. It was Cam Newton. That couldn't have gone worse. We've talked about it already today. We said that Cam and Jimmy Garoppolo, the two juxtaposed Patriots present and the past, going head-to-head in Foxborough, and it was about as bad a day as we've seen the Patriots have in a really long time. Hard to remember a time the Patriots looked that non-competitive and that at a loss for answers. So clearly, that was a disaster. So number three and number two were disasters, but that was not the case at the top. Number one, There's no way to diminish the performance of Baker Mayfield yesterday based on the competition. Because I'm telling you right now that in the National Football League, every week is a referendum on everything. And if Baker Mayfield plays a bad game yesterday, we are lining up to just pound him mercilessly. All of the spotlight, all of the pressure was on Mayfield. And he loses his most dynamic weapon at the very beginning of the game. And he starts terribly, terribly. And he turns it around completely and he puts his team on his back. And he's 22 out of 23 completions after that. And the only incomplete pass was a spike to stop the clock. And he throws a dime to Peoples-Jones on the last play to win the game. And I tell you what, if he doesn't, then all we're talking about is how good Joe Burrow is. Because, boy, is he good. And there's no question in my mind he's better than Mayfield. But give Mayfield his due. He needed to come up big yesterday for his team, and he did. And we would have been absolutely crushing him yesterday if he hadn't. So it's not fair to him to diminish it based upon the competition. He played the team that was on the field. He played the team that was on the schedule. His team needed him to play great, and he did. So give Baker Mayfield the credit that he's due. So those are the three players that we said had the most pressure on them. As far as the pressure tonight, let me give you a little preview of Monday Night Football presented by Progressive Insurance. How much pressure will Nick Foles be under from Aaron Donald? That's really the question. I have all the confidence in the world of the Bears defense. I think they will play well against Goff and company. But the Bears are going to need Nick Foles to find ways to help them win games somewhere along the line. They did it against Tampa. The defense did it, and Brady struggled that night, and they had a lot of people hurt. I don't think they can count on this just being defense only tonight against the Rams. I think that Nick Foles is going to have to come to play tonight. And if he does, I think the Bears win. So I will pick them to win tonight, and I will pick Foles to play well. But I will say this. I feel it is an important game for Chicago. This is a little bit, based on the competition, a little bit of a referendum on whether they have the offense it will take to win meaningful games, or if their record really is inflated and you could just give the division a Green Bay. We'll find out tonight. The Monday Night Preview brought to you by Progressive's Home Insurance. Progressive's celebrating eight years of donating cars to veterans in need. Learn more at keys2progress.com. All right, right now it's your turn. I'm throwing open the phone lines at 888-SAY-ESPN. Mondays are for your hot takes. Let's talk about your team. Let's talk about what you saw on the NFL yesterday. I want your hottest take coming out of yesterday in pro football. 888-SAY-ESPN. Your calls, your hot takes are next.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel pcom Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y.
1: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Half past the hour with me, Greeny, on ESPN Radio. We're on TV every day on ESPN News. You may have heard, pretty soon we'll be on ESPN Plus, and that will be awesome as well. Delighted to have you with me here. Opened up with the latest on Odell. You just heard about it in SportsCenter as well. Dan Orlovsky was with me. I'm going to give you my three hot takes, and then I'm coming to the phone for yours is my favorite thing about the show are when you give me your hot takes coming off the day in the NFL, but I opened the show with mine. Number three this morning, Bubba, was the Dallas Cowboys are the worst team in the worst division of all time. They aren't the worst team in the NFL. The Jets are the worst team in the NFL. The Cowboys, with Ben DiNucci at quarterback, would be a point and a half favorite over the Jets. So this is not about that. But in the worst division ever, and by the time this season is over, the NFC East will have the worst winning percentage of any division ever. The Cowboys will finish last. They are the worst team in that division. And they've been an absolute embarrassment. And Dak Prescott, whatever leverage we thought he had, multiply it by 10 when you watch that team try to function without him. So my number three hot take was the Cowboys are an embarrassment. My number two hot take is that the Pittsburgh Steelers are who I thought they were. They're the best team in the AFC. I've been telling you that since August. They are the most balanced, top to bottom. Show me a weakness. They run it with Connor. Ben is a Hall of Famer, and he looks good. I know we threw three picks yesterday, but two of them were tipped. One of them just straight up in the air. And every week, it's someone different at the receiver position. They can do it anywhere. The tight end is good, and Ebron. And then Claypool looks like he's a developing superstar, and Juju's a really good player. And then one week it's Johnson, and the next week it's Washington. they got weapons all over the field, and that defense will crush you, take away your soul. They held Derrick Henry to 75 yards yesterday, and almost all of that was at the very end of the game. That game wasn't as close as the final score would indicate. So the Steelers are the best team in the AFC. And that brings me to my number one hot take, which is that not only are the Buccaneers the best team in the NFC, But the Buccaneers are the team to beat for the Super Bowl. Tom Brady right now looks as good, is as good, as he has ever been in his career. And he did unto Bill Belichick what Bill Belichick has always done to others. Brady got out one year too early rather than one year too late. Because he could see that cupboard was bare. And look how terrible they look without him. So those are my hot takes here on ESPN Radio. Now it's time for yours. They're lined up and I want them hot. Let's start with Brian Brian, you're on ESPN Radio. Give me a hot take.
0: Hey, Greeny, what a way to transition with my hot take, because it's fire. I got to tell you, I think the Patriots are going to go winless the rest of the way, meaning that your Jets are going to beat them two times, and they're going to go after Trevor Lawrence.
1: That's my hot take, man. Guy, you've gone too far. See, I I was enjoying everything about it, and there's no way in the world the Jets beat them two times. Bill Belichick, he's not going to do that. A, they can't get there. They have two wins. They can't get Trevor Lawrence. The Jets aren't winning two games, and that includes against the Patriots. I'm looking to see when those games are. If it's Patriots, oh, that's right. Patriots at Jets is a Monday night game. My goodness. On November 9th. And then the other one, they finished, they, those two teams finished the season. Patriots, Jets on January 3rd. Not going to happen. I don't think we've heard the last of the Patriots yet. That's my honest opinion. As bad as they looked yesterday, and they look bad, and maybe they are bad. But I don't think we've heard the last of them. Brian, I appreciate the heat of the take but I don't see it the same way. Tyler is next on ESPN Radio. Tyler, give me a hot take.
0: How you doing, Greedy? Good. Um, I was just saying, I I love love what you said about Pittsburgh defense. I'm a huge Pittsburgh fan, but Ben looks good so far, but he's always had that knack for making stupid decisions in the biggest of moments. I mean, I know he's had some great games over his career, but he's always found a way to just Screw something
1: up. Well, my take—I don't know, Tyler. I mean, he's screwed them up badly enough that he's going to be a first-ballot Hall of Famer. He's won two Super Bowls and been in another. I have a, a bit of a tough, Tyler. You know, I love the call. I love the hot take. I appreciate you wanting to be a part of the show. But boy, I see it differently. Roethlisberger is not without flaw, but I've seen him win big game after big game in his career. He's tough as nails. He's playing good now. He's got a ton of weapons. I don't see Ben Roethlisberger as a weakness in Pittsburgh at all. Thank you for the call, though, and I appreciate the heat of the take. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Fred is next. Fred, give me a hot take.
0: Mr. Greenberg, I hope you're wearing your oven mitts. It is time for the Dallas Cowboys to trade Zeke Elliott. Not necessarily for another player, but for a, a stable of draft picks for next year. This season is over. It's done. Put a fork in it. It's over but it's time to trade Zeke. He's not shown any leadership. He has not shown any athletic ability on the field that is worthy of the contract. Get rid of him, get rid of him now. Obviously let Mike Nolan go. I don't care if the defense plays with no defensive coordinator this year, it can't be any worse than it is now. And if I may, a bonus hot take here would be that the University of Texas should be driving a Brinks truck to the Fox studios and hire Urban Meyer as their head coach for next year.
1: Okay. I like both ends of the take. Fred, let's start with the first one. My resident Cowboy fan is Hashtag Bubba. Go ahead, Bubba. Jump on a mic. Are you in or out on trading Zeke Elliott right now? The season's been a disaster. Are you ready to trade Zeke?
2: Hey.
1: <laughs> I got Cliff, Cliff yelling in the background here. You know what? I'm going to do it. Let's do it, Fred. Let's get Trading some, Zeke. Let's do. Let's you know what. Let's get some draft capital. The extension was a mistake. Let's do it. Uh, you know, here's the question, and 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 this, it's worthy of discussion. Not that I think this is going to happen, but it is worthy of discussion nonetheless. What could you get in a trade right now for Zeke Elliott, in in a league where draft picks are considered to be like gold? There's no way in hell they get a first round pick for Zeke Elliott. No way. So I'd be very curious to see what you would get for Zeke. This isn't Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker is the most famous trade ever. Jimmy Johnson parlayed that into three Super Bowls. He only got to hang around for two of them. But that trade was responsible for all three. So the question is, could you even get anything for Zeke Elliott right now? And I think the answer is not much. As far as Urban, I've said it a million times. He's going to go back to coaching eventually. I'm not sure where it'll be. Justin is next. Go ahead, Justin. You're on ESPN Radio. Give me a hot take.
0: Greeny, you are a legend, so thank you for taking my call. The hot take I have for you is the Saints will trade Michael Thomas to the Eagles for Zach Ertz in draft pick.
1: Now, see, now, something is going on with Michael Thomas. I really like that call, Justin, and I have no idea. I, You know what? i got to get one of my insiders on this. I don't have time left to do it in the show today, but Justin, put a bookmark in that thought. I'm going to get one of my guys, Nuno, let's get Graziano or Shefty or Diana or someone like that on this thing tomorrow. What is going on with Michael Thomas in New Orleans? Now he's hurt at practice. He got benched for a game for punching a teammate. Then he gets hurt in practice, doesn't play. Something's going on. Something's going on. My antenna are up in New Orleans. So I appreciate the call and I appreciate all the hot takes, everybody. Thank you for the calls. Really good today. Really good off an outstanding NFL Sunday. Speaking of the NFL, coming up next. Yes, it has been a great year for rookie quarterbacks, but as of yesterday, I can tell you that what has happened so far hasn't meant a thing. What happens from this point forward is all we will remember. Greenie, the
0: podcast.
1: Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com/giftfinder today. That's Macy's.com/giftfinder. There are just so few things better than a really good football Sunday, and yesterday was so good when, when the finish of those one o'clock games start flying in. And again, yesterday in a 14-minute span. You had one twist and turn after another in Pittsburgh, Tennessee, in Cleveland, Cincinnati, which was an incredibly entertaining game. Detroit, Atlanta, which was an incredibly entertaining finish. Not good teams. I'm not sure if either of them are going anywhere, although with that win, the Lions keep themselves somewhere in it. But it was an incredibly entertaining day. And one of the storylines of the season has been that since Justin Herbert got in to play for the Chargers, he's been sensational. And Joe Burrow, I think, from week one, has looked really good. And he threw for 400 yards yesterday against Cleveland. He was the best quarterback on the field, even on Baker Mayfield's huge day. And Burrow looks like a, a five-year vet. So those guys are both the goods. I think Herbert's going to be really good. I think Burrow is going to be really good. But I told you that the really important part of the rookie quarterback situation has not yet begun. It does this coming week. And that is because... As Tua gets set to become the starting quarterback for the Dolphins, he does so as the only one whose expectations will be to win. I watched Buffalo play yesterday. I told you a month ago I wasn't buying into the Bills and that I thought the Josh Allen story was completely overdone. And I was right. The Bills are good. Their defense is good. They have some weapons. They missed John Brown yesterday. Stephon Diggs is a really good player. Josh Allen's a really good player. But he should not be confused with the great quarterbacks in the NFL, certainly not now. So the Bills are a very vulnerable team, who, oh, by the way, in the next three weeks have to play Seattle, Arizona, and New England. So they could lose some more games. The Patriots, we've done nothing but talk about how bad they look. So unlike Joe Burrow, who can put up 400 yards in a loss yesterday, Unlike Justin Herbert, who will get lauded for going toe-to-toe in games he loses against Brady and Mahomes, Tua Tonga-Vailoa is going to go in there needing to win, because the Dolphins could win that division. They absolutely could win that division. Patriots aren't running away and hiding. I believe Bill will have that team playing better than they've played so far. I don't believe that team is going to go 4-12. and but at this point, it's pretty hard to pencil them down for a lot more than eight wins. The Bills will win more than eight. They'll probably win something like nine games. So that leaves you, they'll probably win more, maybe 10. So that leaves you with the Dolphins, who were three and three and going to the rookie quarterback. They were heading in the right direction with Fitzpatrick. Last two games, he played great. They decided to make the move. I'm not here to tell you it was the wrong one, but I am here to tell you that The pressure is entirely different when the expectation is not just to play well, when we won't just applaud Joe Burrow for playing well or Justin Herbert for playing well. With Tua now, it's going to come down to winning games right off the bat. Next Sunday against Aaron Donald and the Rams, boom. Welcome to the NFL, kid. Win this game. Win it. Because your team could win the division. You have a lot to play for. A lot more to play for right now than Cincinnati or the Chargers do. And that does create a different level of pressure. So the rookie performances have been really good, but the one that really matters hasn't started yet, and it will this weekend. So Tua will get the Rams, then he will get Arizona. Then he'll go head-to-head with Herbert and the Chargers. Then the Broncos, the Jets, the Bengals, he'll see Burrow. He's got winnable games. Let's see him win some, because that team could win the division. And so that will create a little different level of pressure, and that is what we will remember when this season is over, one way or the other. The proof is in the schedule. The proof is in the divisions. And the proof is in the penzoil. Penzoil synthetic motor oils made from natural gas give you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the penzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. To finish it up for today, we have not done much on the World Series. It's been a pretty good World Series. The weekend was great. Saturday night, obviously, was one of the craziest finishes ever. And then yesterday's game was nuts. Jessica Mendoza told me today that game was decided by about an inch, by about the difference between Manuel Margot stealing home and not stealing home yesterday. He's out by an inch. If he's safe, he's the first player to steal home in a World Series game since Jackie Robinson 65 years ago in the 55 World Series. In a game that Yogi Berra went to his grave, absolutely insisting that Robinson was out. It's one of the great legendary moments in baseball history. Margot almost gave you that yesterday. In a game that I think might have changed because there were no fans there, or very few. There's 45,000 people screaming. Do you think Clayton Kershaw hears the first baseman Muncy telling him, the guy's taken off from third? I don't know, one way or another. All the circumstances come together. Kershaw, his best pitch of the day wasn't a pitch it was not throwing that ball all the way to the backstop and not balking and getting Margot at the plate by an inch. And that inning winds up being a huge inning. And the Dodgers have gotten home runs from nine different players in this World Series, and they're up three games to two. They're a win away from a championship. It would be their first title since 1988, and it would be the city of Los Angeles' second championship in the calendar month of October. Can you imagine that? Normally, we get the hockey and the basketball together together their championships tend to run something in the neighborhood of side-by-side because of the extraordinary and extenuating circumstances of this year. You could have the Lakers and the Dodgers, the two legendary Los Angeles franchises, both celebrating championships What about three weeks apart. That would really be something. They're one win away from getting you there. We'll see what happens. Blake Snell will do the pitching for Tampa tomorrow night, trying to keep their season alive in game six. I don't have a horse in the race, but I hope we get a Game 7, because why not? Who doesn't want a Game 7 in the World Series? Remember, every pitch of it, as always, is here on ESPN Radio. Good Monday night game tonight. The Bears and the Rams enjoy it. See you tomorrow morning on Get Up on ESPN. And back here, Greeny, on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny
0: live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss
1: Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.